Well, it is good to see you. If you've um, joined us over the summer, my name's Tom and I'm the vicar and it's a great joy to be able to welcome you today. And I just want to honour that all those, um, it was actually Luke, Luke Graham came up with the idea and he said, I think we should have other folks who don't normally speak come and share a word at the various different gatherings. And I thought, what a great idea, because if it goes really well, I'll take the credit. And if it goes really badly, I'll say, Luke Graham's idea. So, um, but it was amazing. And it was, I think my only feeling was that it felt like the, the Lord spoke to the soul of the church, actually. And I think it was just a beautiful thing to hear. And I, I also do want to honor you. I am actually killing time because I've got some technical challenges with my notes. So there you go. That's a bit awkward. Fantastic. Okay, we're good. So I watched a little bit of daytime TV yesterday. Don't often do it. And it was Alan Titchmarsh. Raise your hand if you know who Alan Titchmarsh is. Yeah. Legend of the realm, don't you think, really? And he was, it, was, it was his opening game. It was one of those Saturday morning things where they, they interview a chef and they say, you know, what, what wine, what type of wine would go with this dish or whatever. And... Um, he said, now, his opening line was, as it's autumn and the nights are drawing in and you're putting on your woolly jumpers because it's getting colder. And I was just thinking, <laughs> when was this filmed? <laughs> because it can't have been filmed right now. It is so hot. It's the hottest time of the year in September. What a crazy season we're in. So there you go, folks. We're gonna, I'm going to share a, a reflection, really. Something that I've been thinking about um, I'd love to say I've been praying about it, but that sounds, makes me sound more holy than I am. But it's certainly something I've been wrestling with. And it kind of came to a, a, a moment just before the summer where I was tasked to take our dog to the dog kennels. Now, the backstory was somebody very kindly offered to, to have our dog for a week while we went away to New Wine, which is a Christian festival down south. And for no fault of their own, they couldn't do it. So, so we, te- we sent, got on WhatsApp, and we, oh, you may have had it. If I've got your number, you may have received a message from me. Uh, are you a dog? Do you like dogs? No. Okay. Any chance? So we went, through, we went through everybody. And in the end, it became clear, because it was so last minute, and it's a big deal looking after somebody's dog, we realized we weren't going to be able to find anybody. So I, looked, I phoned every kennel from like this area, even towards Hull. We were that desperate, folks. We really were. And most of them were, were full, except there was one that had space. And I looked on the, on the website and Google Images, and I thought, ah, it doesn't look great. Now, if you have a dog, if you're a dog owner, if you're not a dog owner, you just think, you guys have got issues, okay? Let's just, I accept that. But if you are a dog owner, you have, you know, you like your dogs. And so this kennel looked a little bit like it could have been come from Siberia. (laughs) It was made with concrete, probably not that good concrete either, I tell you. It looked a little bit grim, but it was cheap and they had space. So we just took the plunge. And so I was tasked with taking the dog, Mabel, to the dog kennel. So we get there. I get to the kennels. I put it in the sat-nav because we still use a sat-nav. That is an embarrassment to any Gen Z on our, or millennials on our team. I still use a sat-nav, okay? Just want to get that on the table. And I got to the dog kennels, and I thought, wow, this looks much better than I thought. A lovely garden, very manicured gardens, a lovely little car park, no litter, 
couldn't hear barking dogs, didn't have the kind of Siberian feel that I was expecting. Um, in fact, it was very well manicured indeed. I followed the very well signposted uh, path to the office and I was very impressed. I thought, wow, for the money, we have landed on our feet. Feeling rather smug, folks, I have to say. And then I met a very, very professional looking lady and she said, hello, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I've come to drop off my dog. And she said, fantastic. She said, that's funny because we haven't got any room. And I said, well, that's funny because we did speak on the phone yesterday. And she said, are you sure? I said, I'm sure. So I gave my name. I gave the dog's name. I gave my passport number. I gave my national insurance number. I gave every number I could. And she said, no, 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 no. I said, no, we definitely spoke on the phone. And she said, we didn't speak on the phone. I said, no, we spoke on the phone. And she said, I think you've got the wrong kennels. And then I looked and said, well, what's this kennels called? And she said, well, we're this one. And I said, but I've booked this one. And I realized in that moment, I booked the dogs into a different kennels. And she said, well, if I actually, to be honest, I didn't even know the name of the kennels I'd actually booked her into. So then I said, she was very kind. She really helped me. And in the end, I got the... I got the name of the right kennels and saw that it closed in about 15 minutes and I had 20 minutes to get there. So I said, very nice, thank you for helping me. Beautiful kennels, by the way, very spotlessly clean. I'm off. And when I got there, it did have that kind of slight Siberian vibes. It was a little rough around the edges, uh, but they were still open and jobs are good and the dog was delivered. Praise Jesus. And she didn't escape. She wasn't savaged by a wolf. It was all fine. Job done. And as I was driving home, uh, by which point there's a few missed calls from my wife thinking, what is, where is he? I thought, I'm going to have to explain to her that I took the dog to the wrong kennels. <laughs> and she's going to roll her eyes in, in a way that I've become accustomed to over the last <laughs> 19 years. And I was just thinking, why, how could I? And I just I just put in, I just got confused with the destination. Just got confused. And I think in some ways, as I was reflecting on that, I'd love to say I laughed it off. I thought, ha, 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 I took the dog to the wrong kennels. But, but actually, I just thought, ah, if you can't even take the dog to the right kennels, I mean, what can you do? You ever have those thoughts? You think, ha, 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 this is funny. It would be great in a sermon one day. He might even get a laugh. But I just thought, if I can't, Lord, bring the dog to the right kennel, what hope have we got? And then it started me, set me on a bit of an, a spiral, really, of thinking, Lord, are we, are we doing the right thing? Are we, over the, if you've just joined us today, in the, a couple of months ago, we, we kind of closed down a lot of our midweek groups. With, with a, we felt that the Lord was asking us to, 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 make, to make room for him and to seek his face and to pray. Um, and my heart really is the thing that keeps me often awake at night uh, is, is how do we reach people who don't know Jesus? That's, that's the thing. And I was thinking, Lord, have we made the right choices? Is this, is this the right thing? What do we do? Because there's a whole wide world. There are people who live in these flats right next to us. And you may not live in the area, I get that. But, but there are people who live right next to us and they don't know we're here. And I think if we don't have a local story, how can we have a city story? All this stuff going through my mind. I was thinking, Jesus, what do we do? And I was led to this passage from Mark chapter 12, and it's the greatest commandment. And it said this. 
One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well, said teacher. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. The thing... The, the feeling, I guess, that, that I've had for, for a while is that the Lord Jesus wanted to call us as a church back to his heart, to call us back to the first love, to, to love him, to, to allow worship to become something that is front and center, to bring honor to his name. To, to tell him that we love him, not be embarrassed to do that, but, but when we come into his presence, just to, to lift his name and to, to worship him, to ascribe worth to him, that's where it comes from. To come back to that first love. And I think because of in, recognized in my own heart as a church, I felt that, that we, had, um, uh, we had become tired. And when we talked about the city and evangelism and reaching people, it felt like there was this collective heaviness that descended on us. Like, oh, no, not again. And I think it felt like we were a little bit weary. And so I feel as in like the, the, the days of, of old where, where the ancients followed a cloud by night and a, a pillar of fire, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, I think that the Spirit of God is taking us on a bit of a journey. And I think one of the things he's wanting to do is break a kind of religious spirit that hangs around churches. Let me reframe it, a bit like a religious mindset. It happens to all of us over time, where we begin to, to think, and, and particularly if we've grown up in, church, in the church and we perhaps haven't had a, a wayward journey where we've experienced grace, where we haven't, you know, those people who've got an amazing story that they got arrested, they spent, you know, all that stuff, if you like me, you're just a, you just stayed in church, you were really good, you didn't put a foot wrong, but actually you just, over the years, nurtured a religiosity that says that, that we please God and we just do stuff for him and we, we, we live in such a way that, that, that we get him to do what we want. So, so, so it's this kind of religious mindset it's about observing and obeying rules and regulations and what happens is in the story today is that is that Jesus is encountered by a, a lawyer a pharisaical lawyer 
Just because he's a lawyer doesn't make him a Pharisee if you're a lawyer here today. But he's encountered somebody who's fascinated with the law. And the Pharisees had encountered, there were 613 laws from the Old Testament that you had to obey. Now the Pharisees, whenever we talk about the Gospels, they get a bit of a rough deal because they they kind of seem like pantomime baddies. Woo, hiss. But actually they were people who loved God passionately and they wanted to get it right. Do you know the thing is the Pharisees are often like us. They just wanted to do it right. And so here's a man who sees Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 22, we see that Jesus has been addressing the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the left of center crowd. They were more progressive. They were more liberal. They were ones that described a lot about love. And then the Pharisees would be your right of center. If you think of the political and religious associations of that. And they're having a conversation with Jesus. Is it to trap him? Yes, quite possibly. But in this conversation, this man whose heart is probably open to God says, what is the one thing that we do? And he was expecting him, no doubt, to answer from the Ten Commandments because whatever answer he gave from the Ten Commandments would indicate to them if Jesus was sound, whether he was with them or whether he wasn't. And yet Jesus doesn't do any of that. He draws out something from the Mosaic Law and he says this, that we love the Lord our God. The Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your hearts, with all your soul. It's the, from the Shema, which is said twice a day by Jewish people. And it's this invitation to allow God to have the whole of our life. Every single part of it. Luke talks about the basement. If you imagine in our lives, it were compartments and rooms, it's saying that he has everything, our mind, our soul, our thinking. In the Bible talks of the heart, it's like the seat of our emotion, everything. It's our money, our sex lives. It's what we watch. It's the whole thing. And it is given to him that he alone is one. It is the core to dethrone anything in our lives which we have made a God. Now, when we talk about idolatry, we think of golden cows from other places. But you know, an idol is a good thing that becomes a great thing. It can be anything. It can be your children. It can be your job. And you know it has become an idol because when it's threatened, it's so painful. Because we all mark ourselves by our intentions. So our intention, well, I'm never going to have any idols in my life. And then suddenly you don't do something that you once did. And you realize that it has become an idol. I have a friend of mine who, when I was signed off last year, he said, do you know, Tom? Because he said, the problem is that church had become an idol for you. And I remember thinking, how dare you say that to me? Who do you think you... And then I thought, you know, I think he's probably right. A good thing becomes a great thing. And so Jesus is, 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 is calling the lawyer to a place where he realizes that he cannot do it. You see, what happens when we have a religious mindset is two things. We live or constantly assess our performance in relation to God and relation to other people. Does God like me? Am I pleasing him? Am I doing everything he's asking me to do? And we can get proud because you think, well, I'm doing more than them. I read my Bible more holy than them. That's a religious mindset, at least a pride. The second thing is, it comes from a place of fear. 
Let me illustrate this with a story. In our home right now, we have three dogs. It's a dog theme throughout the day. One is my mother-in-law's golden retriever called Megan, who's quite high maintenance. The retriever, not my mother-in-law, she's not high maintenance, she's lovely. And we have a new Labrador puppy called Dottie, who will feature throughout various talks, so just to, just to manage expectation. So one of the ways you train dogs is you can spray them uh, with a little spray if they're a bit naughty. So my youngest daughter has a, makes a makeshift belt, and it's like a taser, because they've seen some of these... My eldest daughter likes to watch reality TV's police shows, you know, when they're fighting people. So she attaches the spray, like the taser, on her belt, and she reads the dogs their rights. She says they can call a lawyer, but if they don't calm down, she will gas them. And she sprays them, sprays them. And so she follows the dog around, ready to spray. The dog puts one paw wrong, bang, got you. Bang. So they, they then, you find them cut in the corner of the garden, just shaking, very wet. And she's like, I saw them do something. They pooed in the wrong place. Spray. That bark is not lawful. Spray. That's it. So, you know, she gets it from her mother, we really think. And so, so, so that's what she does. And so, so our dog, when she sees the spray, she legs it because she knows what's coming. She's not daft. And, you know, sometimes if, if we adopt a religious mindset, that sometimes when we come into the presence of God or with other Christians, we just feel like, oh, I'm going to get sprayed because um, I've done the wrong thing again. Because I'm not performing enough. I haven't done that. I mean, I, I didn't get up at six o'clock and pray. Oh, my goodness. I just, I struggle to read the Bible. I read the Bible. I don't know what it means. And, oh, no, they're praying out loud. I hate praying out loud. I mean, so I'm just a Sarah. I'm just a nightmare. Oh, I'm being sprayed again. Get that spray. Followed around by a four-year-old. Psh, get you. You done that wrong. Psh, got you. And that's the... Mindset that we can, through no fault of our own, but can cultivate this idea that he doesn't, he tolerates us, he rolls our eyes at us, doesn't really like us. And that can lead to like, almost like an orphan heart. And yet Jesus in this moment is, is inviting this lawyer to that kind of kairos moment where he looks at the life that Jesus is describing and he says, can't do it. Just can't do it. And that's precisely the moment, the switch that Jesus is longing for. And that switch is to say, do you know, I cannot make it. Yes, I cannot even get my dog to the right kennels at the right time. Yes, I have screwed up. Yes, I have caused huge amounts of pain. But he loves me. Because he took my sin, my shame, my rottenness, all the stuff that I have done. He took it upon his own body and was crucified. The punishment that was coming for us. Because we cannot walk into the Lord's presence of our own merit. He takes it upon himself and from the pits of hell cries out, My God, why have you forsaken me? That is the story of the cross of Jesus. So that you and I can be free. And when he sees you and I, he sees his son. So when he looks at you, there is no spray, pretend, taser. Psst. 
you've done this. You've done this. You've done this. He says, I love you. You are known. And his spirit lives and resides with us to testify that we are sons. And if we're sons, we're heirs. And if we're heirs, everything that we need, he will give us. We don't need to go around like orphans trying to desperately get it. It's given to us by him and his grace. And then Jesus says to him, Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, we can't do it. I love my neighbor dearly. We look after his house, he looks after our cat. All good. But it always comes around at the wrong time. It's been years he's had kids. Ding dong, dogs are barking, kids are eating, everybody's fighting. Oh, he's come around the wrong time. Or sometimes I'm walking up the drive and I hear a voice over the fence. Tom, you got a minute? Oh, no. Oh, no, I want to go home and watch Bargain Hunt. You see, we can't do it. You see, folks, it doesn't matter how many names of the people of peace we put on the fridge. Because unless the Spirit of God moves our hearts... It is ju- they're just going to stay as names on the fridge. It can become a religious action. And I wonder if in this next season, as, as the Spirit of God, I think through, through, through stuff like mate room, whether it's worked or not, we'll have to leave that to the Lord. But, but whether the, the Spirit of God wants to show us that, that in the same way that we're loved, in the same way that we come into this space and think, oh, I'm a... I'm a, I'm a I'm empty-handed, but I'm alive in your hands. I, yes, I've screwed it up, but you love me, Lord Jesus. You've taken my sin. You've given me a new identity. There's a new purpose. As we, as we step into a next season as a church and say, we're going to love the city, maybe the Spirit's saying, if you love me with everything, and you love your neighbor as yourself, you surrender, let me, let me have the whole of your life. And if you choose to love the people who are not like us, the reason that we're in the season of creation, the reason that Colin brought out the certificate, personally, I think they should be like a swimming lesson. You get those badges to sew on your trunks. Wouldn't that be awesome? St. Thomas Crook's silver, going for gold. The reason, the reason that we do that is because in parts of the world of places we may never visit or people we don't go, ah, the way we live affects them. They're our neighbours. Parts of the city that that people will come here and they make us uncomfortable with their lifestyle choices. They're our neighbours. And we will stay in our cliques unless we love him with all our hearts. Because as we love him with the whole of our hearts, we, we become like what we worship. As we worship him, he changes us that we walk in our new identity as his sons and daughters of the king. And you know, as we do that, then the toddlers will overflow with people who are desperate for the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. What does it mean for us to be good neighbours? What if the Spirit of God softened our hearts and we all took up fostering? Another church, we could foster the entire city's population of people looking for homes. 
A church, we could do it. This, we've been, the students have been invited to, to go out and, and feed the homeless. What would it look like if we expanded what we did with Food Bank, with the poor? What would it look like to help kids who are struggling? What would it look like as a thousands of students arrive next week, an anxiety generation that we say, this can be your home? That for those of us give financially, and maybe, yes, I know it's a crisis of money, but we look to the one who provides everything, that we give more, and that we may never get the personal benefit, but we give it for them, because they are our neighbours. That's why we need to tackle racism. That's why this, there's a, a kind of sea of white faces needs to change, so that we become diverse and celebrate the range of nations that are in our church, because we are part of a global church. So when the Lord, I've totally gone off script here. I don't know, I didn't, need to, I didn't need to sort it out at the beginning. No idea where I am. If we love him, we love him. Give, give him everything. You know, we're passionate about worship. And if that makes you uncomfortable, release, release your voice. Passionate about him. In all our frailties and weakness. And we say, Lord, we're going to let go and want to love our neighbour. That means love our locality. We can't have a story for the city without a story for the locality. And there are people in our locality who pass away with no family, no friends, no one knows. And that has to stop, folks, on our watch. Food bank is growing we need more people. But there are people who are addicted to drink and drugs. They need to be free. And we need to help them. Now, you're going to say to me, how are we going to do it? I've got no idea. Somebody said to me, Matt Stringer, see, like a double glazing salesman. So I've got a good composite door for you folks. Absolutely fantastic. It'll give you a good price. I don't know. But he does. This Wednesday, we're, we're meeting um, at Make Room. We're, we're rethinking clusters and... Uh, Something, something, we're going to launch something called Tables. Um, it's, it's not rocket science. The Spirit of God's been doing it for a long time. He knows what he's doing. But we're going to do, just going to make a couple of changes, and then down the line, we're going to launch house churches. Again, the Spirit of God's been doing it. He does it all around the world. And he's been doing it before the institutional church like this was born. Don't freak out about it. Because he's in charge. And if we pursue him and seek him all other things will be added. Somebody asked me at the end of last year, what are we doing, where are we going? I don't know. But I think he does. And if we stay close with him, I believe he'll show us the way. There are, there are visions and there are dreams that are in this room right now that the Spirit of God is waiting to release, to spring freedom. And it means as a church family, as we send people out, to different places, and our numbers get a little less, as they will. That our focus and our trust becomes on him, and we walk in the identity that he gives us as his sons and daughters of the king, that we break off the shackles of religion, which always leads to death, and we embrace the life of sonship, so that we may grow and experience the glory and power of God. But you know, the people out there who are far from him encounter him and come home. So folks, in this next season, if you're at Wednesday night, in here, Luke has got a plan. 
He's got a PowerPoint. No, yes, really. I'm joking. These guys are always asking me for the plan. God bless you. You've got to pray for them. You've got to pray for them. They get so frustrated, but they're so kind. Uh, but we're going to gather together. We're going to seek the name of Jesus because if he doesn't bless it, it's not worth doing it. Let me pray. Let's stand, shall we, folks? Now, I'll tell you this. At the nine o'clock, we have a clock behind us, believe it or not, but it says there 11.25. And so Luke, who is a, a, he's an amazing guy, he's, he's brilliant at managing upwards. Okay? Let me tell you why. He said, the clock's wrong, so you may need to use your phone as a timer. Isn't that amazing? God bless him. He's learning. Okay, so this is what I'd love to pray for now. Uh, Sam? You all right? I'm making it awkward now, aren't I? Sorry. Um, So, uh, Luke quoted from Ephesians, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. My... My, my sense is for there, there are two things we're going to do, folks. When we gather on Sundays, we always do a response. Does that mean, um, yeah, I know that causes some issue for people. Two things happening. One is, we believe that the Spirit of God can break stuff in a second. We believe it. I also know from my own experience, the Spirit of God takes on you, can take you on a journey. It's the same freedom, it's just a different journey. Destination is the same, it's just the journey is different. So we always ask the Spirit of God what he's going to do. My sense is that there are some people, when you come into the presence of the Lord, you feel death. You just, you just don't sense it or feel it. And I think the Lord wants to, we want to pray for you. It could be the sense of there's something that, that maybe you need to relinquish and repent of and turn back to him. That's a scary word, but actually it's a beautiful, freeing thing, a beautiful, freeing word that the Lord wants to come back to him to say, Lord, I just want to get rid of this. Just break it off. I don't want to live like this. And there are some people I saw bound uh, in ropes. And I think that's a prophetic call to pray for the generation of students that are arriving in our city that are bound together by a lot of anxiety. And and we should pray for a breakthrough in Jesus' name. And there are some people I think that the Lord, uh, just an invitation is to pray for more of the Holy Spirit to bring freedom and life. Okay? So if you're on the prayer team, love you to come forward. And these guys are trained and they're going to come in the middle. Don't go to the side. Don't, don't hide. Oh, Heather's getting the badges. You can't miss the badges, folks. They're enormous. If you've got bad eyesight, as you come forward, if you see the badges, assume you've been healed because the badges are so big. So, Jesus, we pray right now that we lift your name on high, that we worship you. There is freedom, Lord, when we worship you in Jesus' name. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will move amongst us right now as we come before you, Lord that you will bring freedom in Jesus' name. Amen.